and appreciate everyone that's prayed today and prayed for this day. Acts chapter 9, we'll continue our series um, regarding divine appointments. And so we're, we're just observing Paul. Well, who we know eventually to be Paul, and currently as we read a little bit about his early, uh, early Christian life, early on in his uh, conversion, we see him still named Saul. And um, what we're going to see is uh, we often equate Paul to be this, uh, this great man, someone that God greatly used. But we understand that God, in bringing him along on the journey of transformation from uh, agitator to a supporter of the gospel, that God brought along uh, his path some key relationships, some key partnerships that allowed him to get to who he was eventually. And what you're going to observe in your own life is, as you've journeyed your Christian life, is that God has brought along some people um, along the way that will help you and have helped you uh, to get to where you are. And, and those are key partnerships and, and perhaps even divine appointments, as we've called them. And, um, you know, often we underestimate the value uh, of someone based on their present condition. We don't always see the behind the scenes, how it happened. And yet here in Scripture... We see very clearly as God spells it out for us in his recording of, of the, the, the story of, of Paul and his conversion and then the subsequent days following what God did and who God brought along to help the Apostle Paul. And um, along the way, God will bring in our lives if we are on a journey of transformation, on a journey where God is perfecting us, of maturing us, God will bring along some of these people as well. And perhaps you could be some of these people as well. You could be some of these key partnerships with some others. And, and, and you know, God is, into the, is in the business into making us, and He does so by sending key partnerships into our lives. And we'll be speaking about another key partnership in, the, in, uh, in our lives in the form of a man by the name of Ananias. So let's pick up the story from Paul's conversion and see whom it was that God brought to help Paul along his journey of transformation. Look at verse 10. Acts chapter 9, look at verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hand on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. 
And so notice here that uh, uh, another divine appointment that God placed across the path of the soon-to-be, the Apostle Paul, who is Saul of Tarsus currently, and it was this man, Ananias. And, and today we're just not so, so we're not just so, um, we're not aware of those uh, perhaps who've come to aid us uh, in the past. And sometimes when we look at the, the, our current condition, where we are at now, we, can't, we sometimes forget that along the way God brought some people that aided us to get to where we were at. Brought along those that God touched or God, uh, God sent really on an errand to go and help you. And what we're going to see in, in Ananias is one that is a servant. Because that's really what he was. Ananias was a servant. Ananias was simply a, a disciple of Christ who was willing to do what Christ bid him do. And in this situation, it was to go and see someone who was infamous in his time, someone who was even uh, in his own mind a danger to, to his way of living, and yet he went as a servant to help this one by, by God's command, this one named Saul of Tarsus. And it, it do us good this morning as, as believers to have the mentality of a servant. And perhaps you can firstly thank God for those that came and Maybe God already brings to mind uh, some of those in the past or even currently who are, who's helping you in your situation who have shown themselves to be servants, who have shown themselves to serve the Lord and by extension then serve you. But maybe the challenge and the call today is that not only do we thank God for them, but that we would look at our lives and be as Ananias, a servant ready and willing to be used of God. And, and, and you know, this morning we... During our, our combined Sunday school here, uh, there was, a, there was a, a great lesson on, on the family. And I, can I just say that within a family structure, that we as parents, uh, we ought to view ourselves very much as servants of God. That we would serve, serve our children and uh, set a pattern for them in the way that how they ought to serve others. And those of us who are in ministry, who have position, who have some sort of leadership, God never called us to just be a leader. No, He's called us to be a servant of His, first and foremost. And then can I just say, in generally as Christians, God has called us to be this way. You know, many times we have our economy upside down. Many times we look at the, the big name, and we look at Paul, and we forget along the way, God brought along those that would aid Him along the journey of becoming that. And so this morning, I want to focus on the servant. You see, the truth is, we can be those, uh, we as, as God's people, we can be these key partnerships for someone if we would just allow God to use us. And uh, we can be a servant that gets sent to help a soul that's looking for direction in their lives. And today we'll focus on this key partnership uh, between one in need and the one whom God sends the servant. Let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to bless. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, dear Lord, for just your, your goodness and your grace. And Father, certainly as we look at this subject matter, uh, Lord, you recorded for us someone who really wasn't mentioned much at all. And yet, Lord, here as we observe the journey of Saul, who later would become Paul, we understand, Lord, that, that one had to go and one had to be a servant to be able to get him along the way. And Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to have that spirit and attitude this morning as your people. 
Lord, help us, Lord, to have, uh, Lord, just to, to be protected from a, a mindset that's entitled. But, Father, to have a humility, Lord, to just be a servant called by you. And so I pray that you'd help us as we learn a few things this morning. Exhort us, help us, and then change us, Lord God, as I pray in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And uh, I want you to note here just uh, some lessons from Ananias as we think about him as a servant. And just lessons about servanthood. And firstly, I want you to note in verses 10, uh, 10 to 12 as we read, that servanthood really stems from pure devotion. Uh, you notice here that, that the, 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 the character that we're speaking about, Ananias, was called a certain disciple. He was in a town called Damascus, a city called Damascus. But in that city was a certain disciple named Ananias. And so there was a certain disciple, and Ananias had nothing else that made him stand out to be the one that God would send, apart from the fact that he was a disciple. A disciple is a devoted follower, someone who is devoted to his master. And a disciple is one that is a devoted student whose devotion is aimed at his master or teacher. And notice here again, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him, to him, said the Lord in a vision, and, um, and it's to those who have a true devotion that God sends on His most important errands. Later on, we read it already, uh, God clarifies to Ananias his errand. He was to go to this man named Saul, and not only Saul of Tarsus, but one that God said who was going to be a chosen vessel, who's going to be a, 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 an apostle to the Gentiles. And we know later on, Paul understands his calling Paul understands that he's called to preach the gospel to the, uh, to the Gentiles. He has called that. He has given the mysteries of the gospel. And here today, we read of the letters that God, uh, God allowed him to pen through the Spirit of God. But you know, he never would have gotten on that journey without this man named Ananias, who simply was a devoted follower. He was a servant. And a, serv uh, a servanthood really stems from pure devotion. You know, the Lord Jesus Himself, the Lord Jesus Himself was our greatest example, isn't He? Right, church, this morning? He's our greatest example. And even the Lord Jesus, when He thought about Himself, He said in Mark 10, 1045, for even the Son of Man, He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. And you understand that the Lord Jesus Himself we're going to turn later on to Philippians chapter 2, that he laid some things down and he, he, for, he came in the form of a servant. He, he came with an attitude that even though he was God himself, he was going to lay some things down and he wasn't coming here to be ministered unto, but to minister. But you know what drove that? Uh, another section of the Bible in John chapter 9, verse 4, he says this, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. And while he was, what, what he was saying was this, I'm ministering and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not called to be ministered unto. I'm called to minister. Why? Because I was sent by someone on an errand. I was sent to work the works of him that sent me. And, and many times we forget that, that as, as we, we go about our ministering, we go about our lives and we enter into the lives of others that first and foremost, God didn't call us to anything else 
but to be a minister or a servant to that one. God has called us to be a servant. God has called us to servanthood, but really the driving force of that in our lives is the devotion in our hearts to the one that called us. And that's, the, that's our God. That's the Savior, Jesus Christ. And what I'm saying is Jesus Himself came to be a servant to all, and yet it stemmed. It really stemmed from a deep-seated devotion to please His Father. And the work of salvation was performed by God's choicest servant, His, his only begotten Son, who was so devoted that He was willing to lay down His life. And servanthood stems from pure devotion. You know, it's to the servant. It's to the servant that God sends to help those that are in greatest need. It's the servant in pure devotion that is privy to God's plans uh, in, in regard to those of the lives of others. And, and notice here, as, as we observe the life of one who was a devoted servant, one who, whose servanthood stemmed from his pure devotion, we see in the life of Ananias uh, a couple of things that were, that, uh, were as a result. Notice there uh, his response in verse 11. Uh, verse 10, so he says, um, so he said to, uh, he, he was spoken to in a vision. He said, Ananias, and notice Ananias' response. He said, behold, I am here, Lord. And so the result of a, of, uh, of a servanthood that is based upon or stems from pure devotion, the first result we see here is this availability. He was just available. Notice his response. He, he didn't say, uh, wait a minute, Lord. I haven't done, I'm not done with what I'm doing. I'm not done with other things. No, he stopped and he said these simple words, I am here, Lord. He was available. And you know, oftentimes in our, in our busy, uh, busy schedule-driven lives, we're not, we're not so much sensitive to the Spirit of God speaking to us. We're too sensitive too, much, too many times to the constraints and restraints of our time. And really what we need to be each and every day for our Lord is this. If, we have, if we're truly walking and, and truly devoted to our Lord, then we will have a sensitivity to be available to His calling. There might be someone today. There might be someone that you could be a servant to, that you could help along their journey. And it starts with this, and it stems from a devotion but that devotion will result in this availability. Do you have the attitude of, I am here, Lord? You know, many times in Scripture, we, we see and we, uh, we read in Scripture God speaking. God speaking to certain people. And we know even at, right at the beginning, uh, after the fall of man, God looked for man. And their response wasn't, here I am, Lord. Their response wasn't, I am here. No, they hid away. Sin had caused them to, to, to run away and hide away um, from God. We see others. We see Samuel, who was just a little boy, who, who was now in, living in the temple. And you remember that story in 1 Samuel where over and over again God called and, and finally He says, Here am I, Lord. He said, I'm here. He understood then uh, for, after clarity uh, from Eli that he needed to respond. We see Isaiah who had th that great vision of, of the Lord high and lifted up there on his throne and we saw the response. Why? Because Isaiah in his devotion could say, here am I, Lord, send me. And many times in, uh, in our lives, the reason we're not 
we're not responding that way is not because in reality we're not available. It's because we haven't made ourselves available. It's because we're not walking with God like we should. There's no sensitivity. There's no devotion there. There's no commitment there. And in our availability, what we do is we recognize who has true control of our lives. When we, when we don't make ourselves available for the usage of God, what we're saying is you're not in control. We're not submitted to you. We're submitted to our own plan, our own wishes, our own ambitions. But a servant who will make a difference in another's life, it really is available for the master's use. But then notice a second thing that, that, um, that it produces. It produces availability. So your, your, your servanthood, when it stems from pure devotion, it, it results in availability, but then it results, secondly, in association. Notice here in verse 11, the Lord said unto him, Arise. He says, Go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. And notice this, For behold, he prayeth. You remember, Saul of Tarsus had just gotten saved. He, he didn't go through a whole course about prayer. He just knew he had to pray. So he was praying. And then notice there, And hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming. And so, he had spoken to Saul already, saying, someone's going to come named Ananias to help you. And here's the point I'm trying to make. Those who are truly devoted servants find others or those who are also truly devoted. The, the, uh, Saul here, who, again, who just recently got saved, who recently has just had his life turned upside down, he was seeking too. He was, he was, he was devoted to now his Lord. And he was seeking for, uh, for direction and seeking for an answer. And guess who God sent? Not someone who was sitting casually on the sideline. Not someone who just happened to be there. No, it was someone who was seeking God also. It was someone else who was trying to, who was being a servant. And, and what, what our, our servanthood that, is, that stems from pure devotion, what that produces, it produces good associations. It produces us being around those who are also passionate, those who are truly devoted servants, find those who are also truly devoted. And we know the old saying, birds of a feather flock together, right? And many times, many times what we say is this, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. If you're around those who just have a passion to serve God, if you're around those who just have a passion uh, to do things for God and want to work the works of God, then, then I'm going to say this, that you're probably like that also. But if you're around those who simply want to sit by the sidelines and simply just want to go by each day and just live their lives for themselves, then I'm just going to simply say, really, that's probably who you are as well. Because the, the reality is, we are who we hang out. And, and we see here that God was leading Ananias to Saul, and then vice versa, Saul was indicated, was indicated to by the Lord, you need to see someone named Ananias. And um, in John chapter 15, verse 5, often a, a chapter we refer to in regard to our abiding, we see here in John 15, 5, I am the vine, and notice this, ye are the branches. And there's a plurality there. There was a group there he was speaking to. And you know, there's, a, there's sometimes a mentality that we, we just, we just are, are on our own in serving God. Listen, 
if your, if your servanthood truly stems from your devotion to God, He's going to lead you to others who will who, want to serve with you as well. He'll serve alongside you. He'll get along with you. And, and there's the branches. Those are the ones that are abiding in Him. As same bringing forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. But there's a plurality there. He's saying the branches. And, and what I'm saying is when we're plugged into Christ, when we're truly devoted to Him, uh, we're, we're, we find others also whom we can serve and minister with. Later on, we see that the Apostle Paul himself, he, as he noted, as he grew in his, in his walk, as he matured, as he went forward in his calling, he looked around and he often said this, and here's particularly about Epaphras in Colossians chapter 1. He'll say this about Tychicus later on in chapter 3. But he says, and you also learn of Epaphras, our dear, and he calls him fellow servant. And he starts to realize, boy, those, are, those around me that are my fellow servants. But Paul never lost sight of the fact that he was a fellow servant. He was a servant also. And listen, you know, servanthood stems from a pure devotion. And if, if the, the thing that it will produce in your life is firstly availability, but then also, secondly, association. Paul later on found other fellow servants whom, he was, uh, whom had a passion for the gospel and the work of God. And so we learn firstly from Ananias that servanthood, servanthood stems from, uh, from pure devotion. Secondly, notice verses 13 to 16. Notice verses 13 to 16. And so he sends him along. He says um, uh, in verse 13, Then Ananias said, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And, and so you would understand that, that news travels fast. In the Christian community of the early church, no doubt, as these disciples heard about the persecution that was happening in Jerusalem and in other parts of that nation, they would have feared, they would have trembled at the, the, the thought of this one who was a great persecutor of the church soul. And so he reasons with God. He says here, he says, I've heard of these things. And, and here in his city, he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And notice here that, that, that Ananias, he had some personal reservations or actually personal discomfort about the thing that God was calling him to do. But here's what we learn because the next verse, Ananias goes. And here's what we learn about servanthood as we consider Ananias. Servanthood sets aside personal, personal discomfort. He understands there who, what the task was. He understands whom he was to go to, this soul of Tarsus. And you could imagine, just from a logical point of view, uh, how much of a roost that would be for Saul of Tarsus, the great enemy, to now pretend to be part of the church, how effective that would be to in, in wrecking this movement, this way of living. And, and so uh, Ananias, in his logic, in his own understanding, he understood that this might have been a risk. This was a, a personal and understandable reason here to, to somewhat doubt God's directive regarding Saul. But, but notice the response. See, he went anyway. See, a servant will look beyond his own understanding 
and lay down his will for his master's directive. And many a time we see those that, that you know, the world would look at as choice people make a decision that causes them to be looked down upon in the world. We see some talented people over the years, uh, famous missionaries. Uh, one comes to mind, C.T. Studd, a missionary, missionary hero of mine. He could have played cricket the rest of his life. Held the highest office in that he, he was an English cricket captain, and yet he surrendered all of that for the mission field. And there was great uproar. Why would you do this? Why would you? But listen, he wanted to be a servant, and it didn't make sense that he would give up all of those skills, all of those opportunities, all of those ambitions. And yet, because he's a servant, he laid aside those personal things, the personal misgivings, personal discomforts, and even personal comforts. But a servant will look beyond his own understanding and lay down his will for God's directive. And, and we see that again exemplified by our Lord Jesus. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Look at Philippians chapter 2. And we know this, uh, this passage of Scripture, probably familiar to you and I. And notice what he says. He says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. You know, the Lord Jesus is God. He is God. And there he is looking down and he comes and he lays his life down. And he comes in the form of a servant. And there, there he's one who knew no, uh, no discomfort, one who knew no pain. One who knew the comforts of heaven, he laid that aside to go down to be a servant. In John chapter 4, we see this contrast. Look at John chapter 4. And a, a, a familiar, again, passage of Scripture. Probably our Sunday school children know this story. He went and he, he, he said he must needs go to Samaria. He was speaking to the woman at the well and in the meantime, his disciples went into the town to buy some food. And I notice there, look at verses 30 to 35, and as they come back, it says, they, then they went out of the city and came to him. So they, they're now returned. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, Master, saying, Master, eat. So you haven't eaten. Uh, we're hungry. I, I, I can only imagine how hungry you are. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. He's saying, don't you understand the urgency? Don't you understand that my, my personal discomfort doesn't matter right now? My personal thing of being hungered, it doesn't matter so much like it matters to you. Listen, there's a work to do. I've been called. I'm a servant. And, and, and here there's a contrast between the disciples and Jesus. They were after comfort, but, but Jesus, he was comforted in his hunger. He, he, he was hungry for sure. But his meat was to do the will of him that sent him. 
And many times we're not willing to lay aside the very simplest things. Why? Because really, are we a servant? Because true servanthood, like Ananias, he set aside his personal discomfort. You remember Jonah? Jonah, he, he, he preached with a real prejudice. You understand, he was, eventually God pushed him and forced him there, and, and he, he preached. And you know the story, it, it, it still resulted in a revival, it still resulted in that city in Nineveh getting one. And you know, our willingness to participate doesn't stop God from doing His will. But our laying aside of our own discomfort or disagreement stops us from going through our own hardship. And here, God is saying, giving Ananias a command, go. Go. And you know, each and every one of us, we are called to be a servant. We are called to serve others. And oftentimes, the reason we don't is because it doesn't jive with our plans. It doesn't fit our schedule. It doesn't fit, you know, it's just uncomfortable. We have to go out of our way to do what? You mean I can't buy my coffee this morning because I should talk to that person? You mean, I, you mean I need to give up that time so I could do this for you? And servanthood sets aside personal discomfort. And you know what Ananias did? He set aside a couple of things. He set aside his own understanding. You know, he, he reasons with God. He said, I have heard. I've heard that this man, but servanthood trusts not in what we think, but what the master thinks. That's true servanthood. We set aside our own understanding. And, and, you know, we can be used of God to work with people that we don't necessarily see ourselves working with. We don't, we don't always uh, understand why, but we understand that God is sending us. But secondly, Ananias set aside his own safety. He took a risk. Notice here in, um, in verse 14. So this isn't just Jerusalem now. This is Damascus. And here, this is Saul who not only had authority in, the, in, in Jerusalem to, to persecute Christians, this was Saul who had authority there. Here he says, and here he hath authority. He, he, this wasn't just some remote thing where, you know, like modern warfare, you press a button and, and then you send out a missile. You're detached from the danger. No, no, he was sending them right there in his own city. Damascus was a major city about 150, 170 k's north of Jerusalem. This was a separate city. This wasn't Jerusalem where he heard about it. This was happening here. And here, he, he, he had to take a risk. He had to take a step of faith. And, and you know, oftentimes if we set aside our own comfort, if we set aside and, and take a risk, we can be used of God in serving Him by trusting Him and, and, and His care for us as we serve Him. Ananias took a risk. He set aside his own comfort and safety. But then, thirdly, Ananias set about his work based on God's command. You know, think the thing that drove Ananias wasn't his logic, wasn't his reasoning. The thing that drove Ananias to be a servant was his belief. He believed the command. He says, the, the uh, Lord Jesus says this, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. Was the, the directive was to go, even if your understanding tells you the opposite. Go, 
even if it's out of your comfort zone. Go, despite the fact that you're risking it all. And, and, and that's why the Lord Jesus says in Mark 8, 34-35, when He had called the people unto Him with His disciples also, He said unto them, Whosoever will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for My sake and the Gospels, the same shall save it. And, and really what this is, in, in, in laying aside those things and setting about this work based on God's command, this is really the life of a servant. It's a life of self-denial. You know, um, the, the reason why many, many, of, uh, many of Christendom today won't really serve God is because we're just too selfish. We're just too selfish. We're living in the self age where it's all about self. And God's calling us to the opposite. He's saying, deny yourself. That's why churches that are comfortable, churches where there's no, there's no preaching about sin, churches where you don't have to be committed, you can just turn up whenever you want to, whenever you feel like. That's why those churches are growing. You know why? Because it's, because it's comfortable and it's all about you. But that's not the biblical Christianity that we read about. Biblical Christianity is all about this. Deny yourself. Be a servant. And servanthood, servanthood is setting about your work based on God's command. You no longer have your own life. It's in the master's hand. You, you trust that your master will command you good, will treat you right will set you on a, on a path of good order. And along the way, He'll send you on errands that involve serving people who are in need. And maybe today you'd be a servant who just go on God's command. Maybe you're thinking, well, I don't have much to offer. Well, uh, it's uncomfortable. I'm, I'm a shy person. May, uh, you know, maybe it's, it's difficult. It's out of my way. You know, I, I'm, I'm here to tell you I stand as a living testimony of those who gave up their time so I could come to church. Gave up their time to talk to me. Gave up their time to talk to a 12-year-old boy who was shy, who couldn't get, even get behind, uh, get past his mother's, uh, behind his mother's back and always hid behind his mom's back. And they just took their time. Why? Because even though they didn't understand me, they understood this, that God, God just called them to be a servant. That they ought to serve that way. You know, I remember the, the reason why we, Knew Damien Demedio. He was our pastor for many years, right? The reason why we got to know him, previous to him being our pastor, was because he used to pick us up. He was our driver. When, when we couldn't get to church because of a vehicle not working, when we needed to get somewhere because, you know, it was youth and my parents were working and they couldn't, you know, he drove all the way from North Parramatta to Lidcombe to pick us up. And he would go and he would just pick us up. He would take us to church. And, and you know what it was? He just wanted to be a servant. It was uncomfortable. I mean, we were, we were, we were different in our backgrounds. We were just new in the country. We really didn't speak much. We were shy kids. It wasn't much in it for him. He used his petrol. He used his money. And what I'm saying is, many times, we won't, go our, we won't go out of the way because it's uncomfortable. 
But servanthood, just like demonstrated in Ananias' life, sets aside personal discomfort. But then lastly, look at verses 17 to 20. Notice verses 17 to 20. And I mentioned this earlier, and Ananias went his way. So he went anyway and entered into the house and putting his hand on him. And I love this. He said, Brother Saul. Imagine how sweet those were, that sounded to the ears of one who, in his own mind, he's thinking, no one's going to believe me. I've been saved. I've been converted. I've been praying for one. And finally, Brother Saul. Brother Saul. Even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales and received sight forthwith and rose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But I want you to note a couple of things here in the story. Firstly, Ananias went his way, so he did his duty. He did what he was commanded to do. But then notice this, and when he had received meat, notice there, he was strengthened. So not only did he go, not only did he ensure that he got to Saul, he fed him. He strengthened him. He, he made sure he was baptized. He went and he did, he went beyond his duty. And here's the last thing I want to say, servanthood, true servanthood. We are to be a servant that, that God will use to be a key partner in someone's life. Servanthood sees beyond perceived duty. It's not about duty. It's about going beyond. Ananias went. That was the duty. But then he fed him, and that's how we know he was Baptist, all right? He fed him. At fellowship lunch. And, and, and uh, he went about and he, he went beyond. He fed him. And, and servanthood in the biblical meaning isn't just one who does the minimum. Listen to what Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 5, 41. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. That's God's teaching. That's the Lord Jesus' teaching on servanthood. So don't just do the minimum. See, the law was in that day that if a centurion stopped you and asked you for help to carry a load, the minimum that you should do, your duty was one mile. And you know what Jesus was teaching? He said, you know, you as my people, as my disciples, my followers, you're not only going to pick that burden up for a mile, you'll pick it up for two. That's true servanthood. It goes beyond just the perceived duty. Uh, you, you have to be, you, 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 you do that thing that is minimum, the one mile. You know, you can't do the minimum, uh, you can't do the, the extra if you don't do the minimum. You, you can't go the twain mile without doing the first mile. But you still got to do the twain mile. You, you're meant to go the second mile. He's saying go beyond what is your duty. And that's why later on, he teaches on the mount. He says, love your enemy. Don't just, don't just, you know, not kill them. He says, love your enemy. That, that's why he says, you know, don't just give him, don't just, if one slaps you, turn the other cheek. That's why he says later on, you know, if, if someone takes your, your, your cloak, give him your coat also. 
and what he was teaching about us as Christians in our servanthood. It's not just about the minimum that we can do. The minimum is the minimum. The minimum is required. The minimum is something that we should do. But listen, he's saying, go the extra mile. And Saul's divine, Saul's divine appointment was Ananias' divine appointment. The one in need was helped by the servant of God. But you know, the servant of God, he didn't just go there. He didn't just pick him up. No, he, he, he fed him. He went the extra mile. He, he went the extra distance with him. And we see here that as a result, the one in need and the servant, the one in need was strengthened. He was strengthened. He was able to, to, to see. He was able to see the way. The, the servant was also able to fulfill his call. It's a win-win. Then we see the servant was then, uh, was, got to see God work. He, he got to see his, the scales on his eyes fall down. We see later on he's preaching. Uh, but but the, the one in need was able then to, to see God work and God was able to perform His work. And then the servant got to see God, God work. And all of these, these dynamics was happening, what? In one act. Just, the, just because this one man named Ananias who was a servant who went beyond. He didn't just turn up and leave. He turned up and he just served. And many times, you know, we have this idea that, that we must just, just if, as long as we're just, you know, as long as we do our one mile, we're done. But listen, yeah, do the one mile. That's required. But do the second mile because that's what God expects. That's servanthood. And Ananias, he went the extra mile. And listen, many times, you know, we, we, we have the mentality that God just gets our spare. Just our spare time, our spare energies. When God's saying, no, no, no. You know, if you're going to be a servant for me, you're going to go beyond. You're not just going to go there. You're going to have the heart to continue to serve. So you're going to feed him as well. And, and there was just something in Ananias in his heart to do so. And, and you know, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, you'll be a servant. Maybe God will place you in a position where you can meet a need. But you know what? You're only going to know if you're truly devoted. You're only going to get that opportunity if, if to, to run an errand if you're listening for the voice of God. You're only going to get there if you, if you lay aside your personal discomfort. And you're only going to really do it if you go beyond your perceived duty. You know, if you read through the Scripture, we'll never really hear of Ananias again. But God directs Saul. He will soon be Paul. And God's going to direct him to another partnership, another divine appointment. Yet we know for sure that Ananias played his part, and as a result, the gospel went forth. And isn't that what we want? That's what we want. If we would truly just be servants, then, then really what happens is this. Then the gospel just continues. And you may think today that you didn't really play a very significant part. But if you're a servant, then you have. You may not be known, but you served well the one whose name is known most in heaven, Jesus. You, you may have helped along someone that the world in their generation will know to be a light like Paul. 
you may have you, you may bring one to the next step of their journey. And here's what I'm saying. If you've done that, you've been a key partner. You've been a divine appointment. And really, it's all about being the servant to our great master. I'll finish with this story. Hudson Taylor. He, he was scheduled to speak at a large church in Melbourne. And the moderator of the service introduced the missionary in eloquent and glowing terms. And he, he told the large congregation all that Taylor had accomplished in China. And, and then after that, he presented him as our illustrious guest. And Taylor stood quietly for a moment and then opened his message by saying, Dear friends, I am a little servant of an illustrious master. And, and here, can I remind you what the commendation is one day? You know, he's not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful leader. He's not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful parent. He's not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful missionary. He's not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful pastor. He's not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful, and you fill in the blank for you. But he says, he's going to say this, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, sometimes we've got our economy upside down. We want to take the lead. We want to take all of that, and God's just calling servants to be used. And maybe today, you just surrender to be a servant, to be used of God, to be a help to someone that will cross your path this week. You know, even if it was a cup of water in Jesus' name, even, even if in the small things like serving in prayer, even if it was in the, in the, in the things that, that, you know, people don't see you're serving, but, you know, you make a difference in a person's life, then maybe God will have you to be in a divine appointment this week. Maybe God will use you if you would just be willing to be a servant. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you. And we just want to thank you, dear God, for the, Lord, opportunities we get to, Lord, to be a help to others. And yet, Lord, many times we lose those opportunities and we miss those opportunities because, Lord, really we're not in the mindset of being a servant for you. And Father, I know, Lord God, many times, even in my own life, Lord, I've, I've let down in that area. And so I pray, Father, that you'd help each and every one of us, Lord, to have that mindset today. And that each day we would just report, Lord, for, uh, for Judy, report for your service. And I pray, Father, that you'd help us. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, the piano can begin to play and we're going to have a time of invitation. I wonder, firstly, this morning, I spoke lastly there about the illustrious master, and that master is Jesus Christ. You know, when Saul was traveling down the road to Damascus, he had no idea that he would meet firstly the Savior. And maybe this morning your life hasn't changed and you're not in a place of transformation because really in the first place, you've not known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you're here today and if I were to ask you this question, if you were to die today, would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven, that heaven's your home? Has there ever been a time where you've trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior? I'm not asking if you're a good person. I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if you belong to this church. All I'm asking is, have you accepted Jesus Christ to be your Savior? See, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
It's not about you. It's about what Jesus has done for you. And I wonder if you're here this morning, if you've, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. Can I just pray for you this morning? Just with an uplifted hand, just say, Pastor, just pray for me. I've never known. I, I don't know. There's never been a time where I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. Is there anyone this morning, just with an uplifted hand? I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. I'll simply pray for you. Is there anyone this morning, just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not saved. I'm not saved. Anyone at all? I trust then as a Christian that you have a heart to please your Lord. You have a heart to, to serve your master. And I wonder if I was to ask you this morning, how's your, how's your servanthood? Do you see yourself as a servant? Do you see yourself as one that is compelled to run these errands for the Lord? Are you one that's a servant? And just say, Pastor, just pray for me. The Lord spoke to my heart. The Lord spoke to my heart this morning. Anyone this morning? Just with an uplifted hand. Just say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. Anyone at all? Say, Pastor, I want to grow. I want to be a servant. Anyone else? I see those hands. Many hands. I see many hands there. Thank you. I'll put them down. Now let's all stand to our feet. I want to invite you to come. If you raise your hand, if you raise your hand, I want to invite you to come and pray at this altar. Why don't you do business with the Lord? Maybe, maybe it's just a recommitment and re- uh, recognition again that you are a servant. And maybe there at your seat or especially here at the altar, why don't you come and why don't you do business with the Lord and just surrender once again. Say, Lord, I want to be a servant. Use me, Lord, I pray.